Hey, welcome back to the C3 Podcast. This is John McKinley, your host, and this week, Pastor Robin continues his series in 2 Peter. If, if you're an employee or a supervisor, you need to be careful not to treat people like their property. Christians should not only be the best citizens, like we're told last week, but we need to be the best employees and the best employers on the face of the earth. We hope you enjoy today's message, and if you'd like, go to c3pottstown.com and plan a visit to join us next Sunday. Well, we're going to continue our uh, series in 1 Peter. Isn't God good? Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. All right. You know, last week, Mike tackled a really difficult subject. Didn't he do a great job last week? Yeah, praise the Lord. He spoke on the politics of faith, answering the question, what is our responsibility as citizens on earth? So this week, we're going to zoom in a little closer to where most of us spend 40 hours or so each week. We're going to talk about grace in the workplace. Can you experience God's grace at work? Can you enjoy God's favor even if your boss disfavors you? Hmm, Maybe we should rephrase the question. How can you enjoy God's favor at work? How can you find fulfillment and joy in your labor if someone, uh, some of the people you work with are just a bit obnoxious? Well, we're going to continue where Mike left off last week in 1 Peter chapter 2. This is where the Bible tells us that how we can find grace, God's grace, at work. So we're in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Scripture says, you servants. Keep that in mind now. He's talking to every person here, whether you go to work every day or whether you're at home every day or no matter what you do. You servants must submit yourselves to your masters and show them complete respect, not only to those who are kind and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Now, as bad as others can can be or as bad as they can treat us, God isn't talking about them in this verse. Keep that in mind. You know, we, we walk away from someone saying, I can't believe how bad they were. He's talking about us. He's talking about our attitude. Even when you go to work and you're working for a difficult boss or you deal with inconsiderate customers. He's talking about us. Do you understand some of you? I mean, I understand some of you are, are in a tough situation. I understand that. You're in a tough work environment. And I don't want to minimize or trivialize that you feel trapped or even hate your job or think that you're being taken advantage of. Our goal today is for you to find God's grace at your workplace while finding fulfillment and joy in your labor. So this morning we're going to look at five exhortations for employees in today's passage or 
for all servants of the Lord. So the first one is live out your position as a servant. If, if you're an employee or a supervisor, you need to be careful not to treat people like their property. And employees, you must exhibit God's Christ-like qualities. Christians should not only be the best citizens like we're told last week, but we need to be the best employees and the best employers on the face of the earth. In Colossians, listen to what it says. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's look at ways that you can live out your position as a servant of the Lord. First of all, with respect towards your boss. We're called to serve with a submissive heart. I mean, we, we just sang the song about, oh, how he loves us. And, and it talks about how he fills our heart. You know, the other night, a, a bunch of us went to the, the Reading Phillies. I guess they're not called the Reading Phillies anymore. But, but we went there. And, and during the game, they put this big meter up on the screen. And it was a noise meter. And, and I mean to tell you, I don't know if it's an actual meter, if they're actually measuring, but, you know, people were getting loud and they were yelling. And I'm thinking, oh, my voice is more important to me than this. And then, you know, people were kicking the seats. And I mean, and then the, the noise meter was going up and going up and finally it hit the red. And, and, and then they took it off the screen. And, and, and I was thinking about that, you know, maybe we should have a heart meter. Okay, submit yourselves. It starts inside. Maybe we should have this heart meter that when, when we start to get an attitude within, you know, it's way down here. And, and consciously we think, oh man, I've got to change my attitude. I've got to be more loving. And, and that meter just keeps going up until it, until it hits the green because there is no red. The red's on this side over here. We have to have a healthy desire to avoid... Whoever we're dealing with, their displeasure by showing respect and reverence to them. Now, I know that it's not easy to do a lot of times. Some of us conform on the outside, but we grumble on the inside. It reminds me of a Dennis the Menace cartoon. Dennis is sitting in his rocking chair facing the corner where his mother put him for a time out. And he looks over his shoulder while he's sitting there and he cries out, I'm sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. Yeah, let's move on. Endure faithfully, even when it's not fair. Verse 18 continued by saying, to those who are harsh. Now the original word literally means those who are crooked. Those who are unscrupulous or unjust in the way they treat their workers. Some of us have a, a pretty sensitive ju justice meter, don't we? We want to let people know what we're thinking when things aren't fair. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said, that he was asked, why do the righteous suffer? His answer was, why not? They're the only ones who can take it. Let's move on. 
Verse 19 says, God will bless you for this if you endure the pain of undeserved suffering because you are conscious of his will. So another way to live out your position as a servant is to see God as your ultimate boss. God's in charge. He's the one we want to please. The scripture says, God will bless you for this. And, and the, the, the phrase, God will bless you, also means this is commendable. When we submit in order to honor God, it's commendable. It means we have God's approval, his favor. We have his grace. One of the best ways to stay on track in the workplace is to ultimately uh, recognize that God is your employer. You know, when you're by yourself, it's just you and Jesus. You know, hey, Lord, I want to do the very best I can right now because it's just me and you. Be conscious of that. Do you know that God has put you where you are on purpose to make a difference? Are you fulfilling the mission by showing the community you work with how much God cares for them? I remember we had a speaker at one of the uh, men's conferences. Uh, he was uh, the assistant superintendent of the Assemblies of God at the time, Brother Crabtree. And he said, a guy came up to him and says, Brother Crabtree, you got to pray for me. He says, you got to pray that I get out of that workplace that I'm at. And he says, why? He says, those people are so obnoxious and those people, they just don't like me. And they do all, and he just kept going on, kept going on. And, and Brother Crabtree says, okay, let's pray. He laid hands on this guy and he says, Lord, I pray that whatever his name was, that he would be the most successful employee in that place and that your light would shine out. That's what he's called us to do. He's called us to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Let's move on. For what credit is there if you endure the beatings you deserve for having done wrong? But if you endure sufferings, even when you have done right, God will bless you for it. Persevere patiently to please God. It says, when we suffer for what is right. Again, we're told that God will bless us. It's the same word. It's used a second time. It's commendable to God. The primary reason for our submission and our endurance is to please God because we know our attitude, you know, the attitude meter that's inside of us will impact the workplace. While we don't always know in advance how much we might suffer, we do know that if we are serious about following Christ and serving him wholeheartedly, we're going to have difficulties. Well, listen to what Philippians tells us. It says, for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. In any kind of ministry, we're going to face struggles. But it, the Bible says it's worth it. Life itself is, is ministry. Everything we do is ministry. Going to the grocery store needs to be looked at as ministry. Working in your backyard and, and being with the neighbors. It's got to be ministry. In the middle of your workplace, it's got to be ministry. If you find yourself wondering if ministry matters or you're questioning whether your work is worthwhile, listen to what Paul told the Corinthian church. He says, so, 
My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. If you need to know what the definition of nothing is, it's, it's right there. Here's the word and here's the definition. Nothing is nothing. Hallelujah. Well, let's continue talking about living out your position as a servant. Verse 21 in Peter says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. We might not complain when we do something wrong and have to pay the price. But we might be tempted to believe that every time we do the right thing, we should be rewarded for that. Here's what our second exhortation says. Follow Jesus as your pattern. We're called to follow his footsteps. The phrase, he is your example, is rich in meaning. It, 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 when a teacher, uh, back in the days that this stuff was written, tried to pass along truths, he would leave a transcript so the student could trace the words. Teachers still do that today. When they're teaching the ABCs, they have the students trace the letters. Well, Jesus has left us a transcript of his life, and we're to trace the set of spiritual ABCs for us to cover. When, when we see how he suffered, we're, we're to copy that in our character. When we see how, remain, how he remains silent in, in the face of injustice, we're to trace the same lines in our lives. In addition, to follow his footsteps is a picture of us putting our feet where Jesus walked. To strive to do what he did, reaching out to those he reached out to. Verses 22 and 23 spell this out very clearly. Listen to what it says. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he, was su when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. So when treated unfairly, let's trace what Jesus did. His pattern was, don't act sinfully. So Jesus committed no sin. Now, I understand we're not able to do that. We're not able to achieve a sinless life. But we certainly can strive toward not sinning. And then, and then don't speak sinfully. Make sure your lips match up with your life. Guard what comes out of your mouth. Avoid workplace gossip and complaining about the boss. Proverbs tells us this. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Another way that we can use Jesus as, the, as our example is don't retaliate. When Jesus was reviled, he didn't go ballistic. He didn't go find a bunch of friends. And, oh, man, you cannot believe what just happened to me. Mm -mm. 
Um, Peter's mind might have gone back to the night that Jesus was taken from the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, You remember, it's recorded in the book of John. He sliced off somebody's ear when Jesus was unjustly arrested. Jesus says, put that sword away, and then healed the guy's ear. We need to trust God to make the wrongs right. Just as Jesus committed himself to the the ultimate judge, so we must rely on God to handle justice. Here's what we're told in Romans chapter 12. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will repay them back, says the Lord. So, What are we supposed to do? Well, if we go to the very next verse, that was verse 19. Verse 20 tells us this. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. I want to tell you something. That's tough. That's tough to do, and I understand that. This is looking at the life of Jesus and understanding this is what we should be striving for. Well, the first exhortation for employees is to live your position as a servant. And then the second one was to follow Jesus as your pattern for submission. Let's move to the third one. He personally carried, in verse 24, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. So we must allow Jesus to deliver, deliver us from the penalty of sin. You know, that, that almost sounds like a given, but you know, sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we, we, we want to wallow in that sin because it makes us feel bad about ourselves, which we feel good about. Tell me that makes sense. But we've got to allow him to deliver us from the penalty of sin. You see, Jesus took the curse and our condemnation. In Isaiah 53, listen to what it says about Jesus. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Why? Because Isaiah goes on to say, All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Friends, please don't ever use this this phrase right here. I want what I deserve. You know, there... They got all these commercials out now about, you know, this Medicare supplement stuff. And some of them are just crazy. One of them, they got this woman. And, and thankfully, it's, it's, it's not a, a real person doing This is an actor doing it. I want what I deserve. And every time I hear that, I say, no, you don't. You don't want what you deserve. You see, the things that are rightfully ours, Jesus took on the cross for us. Scripture says, live for what is right. 
By his wounds you are healed. Hallelujah. Let him take the, the give you the, uh, deliver you from the penalty of sin. Then the fourth one, trust Jesus to give you the power to serve him. See that? Now it's going to be an internal thing. We got we to gotta let that come into us. We got to let it come into us so it can go out of us. You see, we can live in his righteousness. This verse says, we have died so we can live. We have died to sin so we can live to serve the Savior. The word servant in one form or another is used over a thousand times in the Bible. I mean, that means it's a really big deal to God and should be to us as well. I mean, if you look at Numbers chapter 12, God refers to Moses as my servant Moses. Abraham, David, Job were referred to as my servant by God. When uh, Paul and James and Peter, Jude, all introduced themselves in their letters, the first thing they they did was they identified themselves as servants. Each of them tells who they are, their name, And then what they are, a servant. This was their fundamental identity. And it's ours as well. We're called first to be servants and second to serve. We have been freed from sin in order to serve our Savior. Verse 25 goes on to say, once you were like sheep who wandered away. But now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. So the fifth exhortation is your purpose is to stay close to the Savior. When the Bible says that we're like sheep, I want you to know that's not a compliment. No. See, left to ourselves, we will go astray by going our own way. Have you been going astray? Jesus is both our shepherd and our guardian. That's what the scripture tells us. You see, he is a shepherd who provides. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. A shepherd who constantly cares for his sheep. And it also says that he is our guardian. Our guardian is one who protects. The word guardian is from the the root word that means scope. It's, It's It gives us the words like microscope and stethoscope and telescope. It takes little things that are far away and and it brings it close. Our guardian watches out for us. Jesus is not only my example, but he also empowers me. He is my savior and my sustainer. He also provides and protects And so we can apply this message to our work environment by remembering these five exhortations. Live out your position as a servant. Follow Jesus as your pattern for submission. Allow Jesus to deliver you from the penalty of sin. Trust Jesus to give you the power to serve him. And your purpose is to stay close to the Savior. Now, there's an acrostic that's been popular for quite a while now. WWJD. We know what it means. What would Jesus do? 
Well, I want to focus on two other acrostics this morning. WDJD and WWID. WDJD means what did Jesus do? Think about what did Jesus do for you? He died in your place, taking your condemnation and the curse that was rightfully yours. What did he do for you? Or what he did for you, he did for everyone. And he is the one who changes lives. So our role in society is not to reform or change society. Our role in society is to share the gospel that saves souls. And then those, sa those saved souls living out the gospel will bring change to society. So what did Jesus do? And he did a lot for you. WWID, what will I do? Jesus paid for your salvation, but you must submit, surrender, and be saved. And then once you're saved, you're to serve. Understanding that there's going to be some suffering that comes along with that. But we've got to stay focused on him. You know, I think some people do more volunteering than they do serving. And today, volunteering is, is really highly looked at, and I'm not trying to diminish it at all, but let's make the difference between serving and volunteering. Okay? A volunteer picks and chooses when and even whether they're going to serve. A servant serves no matter what. A volunteer serves when it's convenient. A servant serves out of commitment. Someone said it well. They said a servant does what he or she is told when he or she is told to do it. A volunteer does what he or she wants to do when they feel like doing it. The very first two words that we started out with in this portion of scripture was you servants. You servants. Whether you're at work or wherever you might be, you servants. Does your life in Christ respect, uh, reflect servanthood? Or are you just a volunteer? Stand with me. Maybe this morning it's time to recommit who you are in the, in the Lord. Maybe this morning as you reflect on your life, how are things at work? How are things in your family? And I'm not talking about the other people. I'm talking about you. What's, what's that meter inside of you? Is it over here on the red where you're getting offended? You're thinking about retaliation, whatever. Or is it over here where it says good attitude, Christ-like attitude? Where is it in your life? Search yourself this morning. Search yourself. Hallelujah. Volunteering is good, but it's not 
the basis of serving Jesus. Serving Jesus, we need to be committed to Him. Maybe there's things going on in your life that you need special prayer this morning. As the worship team leads us, you come, let us pray for you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially to spread the gospel further, please go to c3outlet.com give. Have a great week.